everyone, this is Crystal. Our game reviews are normal and cool and you should listen to them, but our thematic section in this episode does contain references to adult subject matter and terminology. The discussion as a whole is mostly family friendly, but we did want to give you a disclaimer up front that if you have small children in the room or heightened sensibilities, please be advised. Welcome to episode 202 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to put your right hand on red. Come on, Marcy, you totally could have put your hand over on that circle over there. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about subversive games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Hack Forward, Suspects, and The Grand Carnival. Then we discuss our thoughts on board games that subvert social norms. And now here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. Recently, I played Key Enigma Hack Forward, which is an escape room type game published by Key Enigma in 2021. So I talked about some Key Enigma games previously on episode 172, but I also got a review copy of Hack Forward and played through all of it. This is a longer escape room game than the other ones I talked about. So Hack Forward, it's broken up into eight chapters that are each like, each says that it should take about an hour. For me, it took 20 to 40 minutes for each chapter. So it's it's very long. <laughs> you don't have to do it all in one, you, you do not do it in one sitting. That's why it's broken up into different chapters. It actually recommends like, you can take a break now before the next chapter. But I just played this solo. It's themed around a hacking thing. There's a worldwide cyber attack, massive data filtration, blah, blah, blah. And so you're trying to figure out what happens in like stop the cyber attack. And then there's a lot of story as, as you progress through the chapters, plot twists and stuff like that. But due to the theming of this, there's a lot of computer <laughs> parts of the escape room. So the other key enemy games I talked about before, the general way it works is there's some physical components in a box, but also a web app where you input the answers and there's like a chat or like a computer chatting with you as pretending to be a person. Thematically, it's people chatting with you and you like enter the, the answers to the puzzles as you get them and then more story progresses and stuff. Sometimes you have to email things. Sometimes you go to different websites, do Googling. This one had a lot more computer stuff than, than the other ones I played, which is thematic because they <laughs> were here hacking right you're a hacker so it required like googling and stuff and other websites not just the web app and it had like emails and stuff that was very thematic some chapters were like entirely digital and then others had more physical components but still using the app so that was interesting whereas in the other key enigma games most of the puzzles are a mixture of physical and the digital stuff but in this one it had like entirely digital puzzles and i mentioned when i talked about key enigma before i did not like the hint system because the hint system is through the chat when it's chatting with you it has like the little dot dot dots and pauses between chatting with you so you have to like wait for them to talk and so if you want a hint it goes like hint one hint two in order and you can't just like get the solution that you need because you are like I would need a hint that's later on and so I have to wait through the chat so that gets kind of annoying and the hints weren't very helpful for me when I did need them but I liked the game and the story there were some things with this one that didn't work I'm not sure some of the websites or like the things that we had didn't really work I don't know if it like got old or it's not supported anymore, but they had backups. So like it says, if you can't see this thing, <laughs> I'm trying to be vague for no spoilers, then type this in and then they tell you or like they send you a picture or something. So it had backups and I was able to complete it. 
And there were a couple of puzzles that were frustrating, but overall I think I enjoyed it. I mentioned before how I like physical escape rooms or like physical board game escape rooms more than the ones with web apps and stuff. And so that's still true. I don't like that you have to Google a lot of stuff. And also this one wasn't really resettable, even though a lot of the stuff was mostly digital. There's some stuff that you have to write on things. I think I was able to reset mine by erasing <laughs> the things that I wrote on. And it says it's resettable, but it it's also says that you should write on the things. So I'm not sure. It doesn't they give might you have like the extra. components on their website that you can like print out the ones that you wrote on or something. I wasn't able to find that. And so oh, okay. I'm not sure. But yeah, I enjoyed the story and like Key Enigma ones are very thematic feeling. So like if you're into hacking theme, like cyber hacking theme where you're chatting online and going to different computer things, it felt pretty thematic and that was cool. Also, some of the chapters ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> so... So I wanted to continue the story, but you can just, you break up the chapters and it's, you usually don't have to remember the earlier chapters. Although in this one, I think in one of the chapters, you did kind of need to remember one of the earlier ones and that kind of got me stuck. So for the most part, you don't need the earlier chapters. So I, I think... It's not like my favorite escape room game, but I, I did enjoy it. And it gives you a lot of content because it's eight chapters. So it's like eight escape rooms in the box. So that's Key Enigma Hack Forward. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I also wanted to mention quickly Suspects, Claire Harper Takes the Stage, which I got as a review of a copy as well. I mentioned Suspects before in episode 180. I had played like the demo, case zero. But this one, it has three new cases or three cases. This is the original Suspects game. And then the demo, it was only like 30 minutes long. Here, the case is longer like in actually it took us a couple hours i only played one case so far but i just wanted to say suspects is a mystery game kind of like sherlock holmes consulting detective but with cards and i talked about it in episode 180 so you can listen to that but the full cases have more stuff than just the demo and it has like a way to combine two cards together which i thought was really neat in the rules it says this so it's not a spoiler but it says like if one card is like a fingerprint and then the other card is a person you can put them next to each other and see if the lines match up and then it will tell you if the fingerprint matches that person so you could use that when you find clues and so that was neat and I liked that addition to the case so I played one case of suspects so far and enjoyed it but yeah that's suspects Claire Harper takes the stage they have a whole series <laughs> that's awesome Recently, my friend Kathy taught me The Grand Carnival, which is a board game published by Uproarious Games, came out in 2020, designed by Rob Kramer, art by Ryan Goldsberry. In The Grand Carnival, you are running a carnival. You are competing <laughs> against the other players to create the best carnival that the town you're in has ever seen. All I'll say is if like four carnivals came to town all at the same time, that would be pure mayhem and I don't know how anyone would get anything done because that would be a little bit silly. So in the game it is a tile laying polyomino style game where you're kind of trying to do a bunch of different things at once. So every player has a player board. It's a, a grid of squares on it and you first have to put grounds tiles onto those squares and then after you've put your grounds tiles down then you can start building attractions and passing through your carnival and the goal is to get customers from the bottom of your player board essentially to the top of your player board through the paths stopping at different attractions along the way 
And so on your turn, you do you can do a bunch of different things. You have numbers along the side of your player board that are basically indicate strength of different actions. And you pick one of those numbers every turn and then pick any action you want. But depending on which number you chose will de determine how strong that action is. So for instance, if you want to build an attraction and you pick the number three on the side of your board, that means you can build an attraction that is at most three squares large. If you picked five, you could build an attraction that was five squares large and so on and so forth. So the actions you can do, you can place foundation tiles onto your board. You can pick up and build attractions onto your board. You can move guests through your park. And every time you're doing all of these things, you're kind of trying to synergize because every time a guest stops by one of your attractions that's already on the board, little ticket tokens will get added to that attraction depending on how many squares it has available, which will help you with end game scoring. And if you can get your guests all the way through your park, which sounds easy, but is definitely not, <laughs> then you'll get some scoring bonuses for that as well. There's some goal cards called Tricks of the Trade that come out, and some of those are goals that you can score mid-game, and some of them are end-game scoring goals. And if you meet the requirement of them, then you get to unlock unique ability. Oh yeah, no, the Tricks of the Trade are just the in-game ones, and then there's some other in-game scoring stuff. But yeah, if you can complete a thing, you get to unlock a cool ability with it. And players can simultaneously do those things, so it doesn't lock everybody out unless someone has already done it in a previous round. But it's interesting because because you need to keep a close eye on your opponent's boards for those types of things. Because if someone's about to claim one of those and you can, you'll probably want to do it as well. I love the carnival theme. I love theme parks. I love carnivals. Mm -hmm. I love, I, I used to play Roller Coaster Tycoon on my computer, <laughs> like yeah. endlessly. And the idea of building a theme park has always just kind of fascinated and really amused me. This game is hard. It's, and it's not like mechanically difficult, but there's so much going on that I, at least for a first time player, struggled to figure out what to do on every turn because mm -hmm. there's so many different things that you can do. Like, do you add another foundation tile? Do you put an attraction down? And you can't move things after they're placed. And the attractions will block off pathing. And so if you place something down and then later realize that you, you need people to be able to walk through there, you're pretty much screwed. So you have to be very deliberate in where and how you place things in your carnival, which while game-wise is very interesting, it doesn't feel super thematic to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I think carnivals are kind of intended to be not this like measured straight line path through, right? <laughs> like it's kind of intended to be this thing that you get lost in. And mm -hmm. so while I like the mechanic for the purposes of the game, to me, that one doesn't feel super true to life. And while with some games I have said openly, I don't give a F about the theme, I just love the game. This one, I like the game, but I feel like it's almost fighting against the theme. I fe mm -hmm. almost feel like a different theme would work better here, but I don't know what that would be. The mm -hmm. theme isn't bad here. It just doesn't, it doesn't quite fit for me. You play through seven rounds in total and you're just adding more attractions, bringing more guests in. You can hire carnival barkers that will help the guests move through the park more quickly, which that feels thematic. Like, you know, they're shouting at people and saying, hey, come over here. And then the guests move more quickly. Like that works really well. There's these little peanut tokens that are very, very cute and also tiny. And I would lose them immediately if I owned this <laughs> game. The tickets and the peanuts are both so teeny tiny. I'm like, oh my gosh, 
they would be very easy to lose, but they help you mitigate things in the game to some degree. So there are ways to fight against some of the things that are more constricting. I enjoyed this one, but not as much as I thought I was going to. I thought with a theme like this and the fact that it was polyominoes, I really thought I was going to love it. And I didn't dislike it at all. I would definitely play it again, but it just didn't strike me the way I expected it to. So I know Kathy listens to the podcast. So Kathy, we do have to play this one again at some point. But yeah, this one, it was interesting. I think if you are a huge fan of Tile Lane or Polyomino games, it's definitely worth taking a look at. It does a lot of the things that those types of games do well. So that's the Grand Carnival. Wait, so you get extra points if the guests go all the way through and exit the park? Yes. But then you were saying that thematically... Or I think they're getting... I think they get to the big top, technically. Yeah, like they go off your board, quote unquote, but I think they're getting to the big top. Like it's kind of... Like so they, they get are to... getting lost in the carnival. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, you should get points for like having them not get off the board if you, you, you want to get think, them lost right? in the carnival. No, yeah. I, I didn't. None of my guests made it through my board. They were oh, all so stuck. that was thematic. Yeah, that was definitely thematic. <laughs> you were I going just, for theme. <laughs> I was really bad at picking which actions to do when, uh-huh. and then my pathing was very bad, and I had to like, there's certain ways that you can change some of the tiles to a different thing, but very, uh-huh. very few. It's like teeny tiny. <laughs> (laughs) changes. I did not plan things well. I ended up getting like a whole bunch of a single size of tile. Like I bought up all of the tiles of a certain size type and everybody was like, what are you doing? But it was because of some other thing. I don't know. It was weird. I didn't do well. I did very poorly, but it was still fun. (laughs) When it comes to board games, I would say there isn't generally a lot of controversy (laughs) I mean, that might be uh, arguable, depending on who you talk to. But I'd say a lot of board, like if you hear in in public board games, like, oh, just board games. Okay, sure. Scrabble, Monopoly, whatever board games. But throughout history, board games have actually kind of been a little bit sneaky. And they've done some things that I think society at large would not have expected them to do. And sometimes that society really doesn't want them to do. So today we are going to talk about games that subvert societal norms, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, and as we were preparing the show notes, I remembered that I was like, wait, I think I saw a video about this recently on YouTube. And yeah, so uh, Adam Porter, who is a board game designer, has a YouTube channel, Adam in Wales, and he recently published a video titled Designing Board Games Which Break the Rules. And so he talks about board games that find notoriety by breaking taboos in this video. So we'll link that in the show notes and you can watch it, but we'll also talk about (laughs) yeah we're we're gonna bring up some of the games that he mentions in that video Mm -hmm. and then we're kind of gonna dissect a little bit more of certain genres but it's interesting because when I personally think of subversive games or games that kind of fly against norms like the thing Mm -hmm. that always comes to mind first for me is Cards Against Humanity and I think it's just Mm -hmm. because it's so widespread it's so popular it's been around now for a long time I don't remember Mm -hmm. when Cards Against Humanity first came out but it's probably 
God, is it? Oh, it's got to be close to twenty years old now. I would guess. Two thousand nine says BGG. Two thousand nine, so fifteen. So, yeah, it's fifteen years old. It's weird. It almost feels like it's been around longer than that. But well, apples to apples was around before that. Yeah, you know what? I played apples to apples in college when, <laughs> which was, I was in college from two thousand and three to two thousand and seven. So that I guess makes sense because then, yeah, I, like I played apples to apples with my college friends, and then mm-hmm. when Cards Against Humanity came out, we definitely moved on and played that as well. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to focus entirely on Cards Against Humanity because we've kind of mentioned it in various shows throughout the past. And I've shared my thoughts on Cards Against Humanity as a whole many times. But Cards Against Humanity is definitely one of a genre of games that does things that you wouldn't expect to see in like polite society. (laughs) Yeah, it has like a shock factor when you play it. (laughs) Which, yeah, for me, it like wears off after playing it a few times which is why I don't play it anymore Um, right I think that that is ends up being the case for a number of people myself included Mm -hmm. like the worst parts personally for me about of Cards Against Humanity were tempered I think by that shock at first because Mm -hmm. when you are shocked by something you aren't thinking as deeply about it and once you've sat with something for a longer period of time or you've seen it pop up three four five times (laughs) then you know the more thoughtful parts of yourself start to consider things more and some of the things that were funny because of their shock value become a little less funny as time passes. Mm-hmm. But it's not just Cards Against Humanity. There are games before that that also mentioned in Adam's video was Twister. Which which I hadn't even thought of this until <laughs> yeah. you pointed out his video. Yeah. Like, of course. But I literally, I never would have come up with this on my own, Ambi. Uh, yeah, me neither. But yeah, because it was a long time ago and it was marketed as Sex in a Box, which is like... Uh, I did not okay. know this either until we were doing this research <laughs> yeah. today. Like, literally marketed as Sex in a Box. Are you kidding me? And this was... This was the 60s, like the right? 60s, Twister yeah. was originally published in 1966. So we're we're in like we're like smack dab in the age of peace and love and free love and all of this stuff <laughs> which like but that stuff while people were promoting it, it was still very taboo in polite <laughs> yeah. society. Like you weren't supposed to be getting all tangled up in knots with like the boys and girls down the street. Like that was definitely not something mm-hmm. you were supposed to be doing in the 60s. Yeah, but Twister was super popular. <laughs> and because like in a game, being able to do stuff, it's it's a game. So like you can do stuff that you wouldn't do in normal life. Like that's, that's part of like role playing games and stuff. It makes people more comfortable to do things that they wouldn't normally do in normal life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, games are an escape for a Mm -hmm. lot of people and they also are what I have deemed like what I call a social lubricant right Mm -hmm. like we've said many times that a lot of introverts are board gamers and I think part of the reason for that is because it gives you an easier way to socially interact with Mm -hmm. both friends and strangers alike if you're a person who struggles to interact with others on a social basis Playing a board game often can make that a little bit easier. And while you don't have to discuss anything outside the context of a board game, if you sit around a table with people for an hour, hour and a half, generally, you'll talk about things. (laughs) And so as everybody kind of knows, the more you do a thing, generally, 
the better you get at it. And so by playing board games, I think a lot of people are able to build those social skills to some degree. And in these specific instances, do the things that they want to do, but either haven't felt comfortable doing or haven't been allowed to do in other contexts. Mm -hmm. I definitely remember playing Twister as a kid. I don't know if I ever played it like with boys. Like I definitely, when I was a kid, thought I only liked boys. And so that would have been the thing I was thinking about. But like, I know I played with my friends, but I don't specifically remember ever playing. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and Twister was around, but not quite as popular, I don't think Uh anymore. But I do like, you know, it's kind of that thing like, ooh, she she touched my arm. Oh, he touched my leg. (laughs) Like, it's just like, ooh. Ooh, cooties. (laughs) Right? Oh, no, boys, gross. <laughs> but yeah, on the note of introverts and stuff, there's also a lot of non-offensive party games like the original Canadian where you you have to like sing or do charades or something or like make something, right? That kind of gets people out of their comfort zone too, but it's just like in a game, so it's like, okay, these are the rules, this is what you do. And so that kind of helps people ice break, break the ice. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, karaoke, right, mm-hmm. is a thing that like you can get people who would never sing in public otherwise to sing in public at a karaoke night. Now, not everybody will do that, but some people will. Ambie and I, if you tell us karaoke night's happening, we're the first people at the door. Like, we're not, we don't have problems with this, but some people obviously don't. And yeah, like in Cranium, having to act things out or sing or dance or, you know, make things out of clay, even just making art, for some mm-hmm. people, that might be something that is totally outside of the norm for them. Mm-hmm. And the games give them the framework via which to explore and obviously making art is not necessarily subversive in and of itself although (laughs) there is such a thing as subversive art but that's a whole other topic but I think one of the reasons that people have always kind of liked these types of subversive games is because it allows them to break out of their shell and in the Mm -hmm. moment those people often are like oh no no I could never like no but like I think secretly not secretly necessarily but I think in Inside of us, a lot of us have those little voices or inklings that are like, you know, maybe, maybe you could, or maybe you should. And we, mm-hmm. you know, are nervous or scared or just don't want to for whatever reason. And so, yeah, within the context of a game, you can put your right hand on blue and it's, oh, I'm, we're all tangled up in a knot <laughs> now. And you, we literally never would have done that otherwise. Yeah. Cause you're like focusing on the game part and it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but this made me think also of social deduction games, which doesn't seem like a subversive game now because there's so many of them but it has that same feel of in real life you're not really like lying to everyone that you meet <laughs> and stuff but in a social deduction game you're encouraged to do that if well if you're the traitor person <laughs> and that can be a lot of fun or for me that that can be a lot of fun also stressful but it's fun just like being able to fool people but like in real life I wouldn't outside of a game I would not want to do that Yeah, so that one is specifically interesting because in a lot of instances, you're doing things that you would want to do but don't feel comfortable doing. But then Mm -hmm. in a lot of games murder is the thing right you're not actually performing the act but you are pretending like you did and i would i would guess that the vast majority of people don't actually want to commit murder 
But I think there is a little bit of most humans that kind of enjoy secret keeping or, mm-hmm. you know, like tricking someone else. Because it's a kind of a, almost a sign of intelligence at parts. Like being able mm-hmm. to fool someone can maybe make you feel a little bit smarter or a little bit savvier. And mm-hmm. so that, I think, is the part that draws them to it. But going in a very roundabout way to bring up the fact that it is interesting that in Western culture specifically, the crime of choice always happens to generally be murder. (laughs) We, as a society, in the games that we play, treat murder very lightly. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. Of all of the crimes that exist, it seems like murder would be one that we would be very like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. But yet it is used in so many games. And the reason I bring this up is recently the YouTube channel People Make Games. I was just going to mention this. (laughs) Yep. So people make because games. I was thinking about um, this before too. <laughs> who you all may recognize the the host of the video that we're going to point you to because it is Quinns from Shut Up and Sit Down who did the video. It does a full like thirty minute video about a game trend from China called Jubensha, which I will not be able to explain in depth in this the context of this podcast. But we will link to the video from People Make Games, and I recommend you go check it out because having seen this video from Quinn's, I believe that Juben Show will come to the Western world and will become mm-hmm. popular. It's just a matter of time. But why I'm bringing all of that up is because in the video, Quinn's specifically references the fact that whereas Western games, at least RPGs especially, have a lot of safety tools built in nowadays, lines, veils, all of those things that you see in RPGs, Jubensha doesn't have any safety tools innately built in because a lot of the stories in the games are built around surprise and a lot of the so-called crimes that occur within the context of the games happen to be crimes of a what we in the western world would consider to be a more sensitive nature sexual assault and things of that ilk when i heard him describing them i immediately was just like oh no we could never do that here in america but then i had to think step back and be like but why (laughs) I, i don't want to play games like that but i don't i'm not sure why my brain is okay with murder and not okay with that i'm not saying I should be okay with any of it for the record I just like Ambie do you do you like what are your thoughts on all of that yeah I it's weird that we're okay with murder right like (laughs) because it's all fake right where it's in the context of a game in all of these instances none of it is real I think like I personally might be okay playing it with other ones like I might be a little uncomfortable but I I think in the game it I might be okay with it but I (laughs) it's like more of a role-playing game so I'm not as comfortable like just with role-playing game in general so, so that's why I wouldn't be, as, I think, as into the, the Jubensha. But yeah, I think for me, I might be okay with other themes than murder as well. <laughs> I desperately want to play a Jubensha. Like I, <laughs> oh my God, I want to play Jubensha so bad. Quinns, I don't think you listen to our podcast, but if you do, <laughs> please bring me a Jubensha. <laughs> like all I can fathom, and I'm this is pure speculation on my part, is that we in the Western world are more likely to... To know or have personally experienced something related to some of the crimes that Jubensha explores than knowing someone who has personally been murdered. That would be like, mm. I think that might be part of it. Um, also, yeah, I don't... you're a lot less likely to have personally been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. 
Like, technically, those other crimes, the people sitting in the circle yeah. could have had done to them. Yes. You cannot have been murdered and then played Jubensha. So that is yeah. true. <laughs> but also, yeah, just answer, anecdotally knowing people who yeah. experienced a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the statistics are, but I, I know that knowing someone who has been, for instance, sexually assaulted, it is a very high percentage that someone very close to you has. Whereas knowing someone who has been murdered, I don't know what the stats on that are, but I would have to guess that they are probably a good amount lower probably again this is speculation this is just crystal's brain talking but i mean that's probably true in china too so right so then is eastern culture i mean because that's one of the things they discuss in the video is that Mm -hmm. they like the 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 surprise of it they don't want Mm -hmm. to know they don't want people to tell you oh this jubentia contains x y and z in advance because then Mm -hmm. theoretically it spoils some of the story Mm -hmm. but you also do want to be able to protect yourself and your mental health and the mental health of those around you and all of that truthfully comes right back around to kind of where we started right (laughs) cards against humanity (laughs) is a game where a lot of the things in the game could hurt mentally emotionally the people sitting around the table with you now will they you don't know for sure but it's one of those things that i think we as gamers have to be cognizant of when we are playing games and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to hold everyone's hand and set everybody up for everything possible in advance and what people would call baby people. You know, you don't necessarily have to do that, but you have to be aware and you have to be present and you have to read people and you have to know what's going on, especially if you are the person facilitating a game. And mm-hmm. so whether that's an RPG or a party game or a Juventia or something else <laughs> or a game of Twister, like if one of your friends was playing Twister and was Mm -hmm. actively like you could see that they were actively uncomfortable would you force them to continue playing i don't think most people would right no yeah but a lot of people would be like oh come on man like why you we don't want to play cards against humanity what it's fine it's just cards it's just words it's not hurting anything but like why would you want to make your friends uncomfortable that isn't fun now everyone having a shared experience that they've agreed to and they're all okay with together that's one thing but like the people who actively want to inflict discomfort on others those are the ones that i'm just like no i don't i don't understand you So definitely go and check out both of the videos we mentioned from Adam in Wales Mm -hmm. and People Make Games. This is a topic that we could probably discuss for hours, but I would love to hear our listeners' thoughts. Hop into our Discord and in the show discussion channel, let us know your thoughts on games that push societal norms or break societal norms and what your thoughts are on whether those games are okay or not and how, how your experiences with them have been. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for more content and links. This episode was sponsored by Grey Fox Games. So let's say you haven't gotten a copy of Last Light yet, and you keep hearing all the buzz about it, and finally decided you want it. Well, we've got great news. Last Light 2nd Edition is live on GameFound until February 23rd. And if you want to buy games at greyfoxgames.com, you can get 20% off non-exclusive items by using the code BGBLITZ24 at checkout. Until the end of February, you can also get 20% off the Kickstarter Deluxe Edition of War of the Worlds New Wave by using the code BLITZWOTW. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. 
until next time a few times i've been around that shelf so i'm not just gonna play by myself because i ain't no solo game girl i ain't no solo game girl bye everyone bye we discuss our thoughts on and experiences with oh nope we didn't say we nope uh uh-uh. <laughs> finally decided you want it well you have got great news last light <laughs> second edition what it sounded like, well, you, we've got... I, I think I did say that. Okay. I think I messed <laughs> Sorry. up. Sorry. Okay.